It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Baseball is back, and the Reds are poised for one of the best seasons in franchise history. Welcome into the Lockdown Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. We don't want to just win, we want to dominate. And here we go. Alrighty, for today's Locked On Reds, we have a Locked On crossover. Chris Castellani is joining me from Locked On Tigers. Chris, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's finally nice to be talking some baseball, man. I know. I was just thinking, I'm like, when was the last time? I, I know I, th- I had a crossover with uh, Sean Sears from Locked On Cubs, and I swear, I think that was the day before everything just got shut down. So shout out to everybody. Look out. This might be a bad omen. I don't know. But we're excited to be talking about some baseball. In fact, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon. Later on today, the Reds and the Tigers have their first of two exhibition games before the regular season starts. So for those of you that are obviously listening a day after the scrimmage game, let's just have some quick reactions. Boy, that was, man, Chris, that was a really good scrimmage. Good Uh, hits. Unbelievable ball game. I can't wait for the season to start. I, I'm with you, man. There were strikes, there were balls, there were hits, there were outs. It, it was amazing. Exactly. 
Well, sir, let's let, let's jump into this because the Reds and the Tigers have been deemed rivals, which was kind of news to us. But I think they did it all based on geography and stuff, which I think back in the olden days, rivalries were determined on geography. But nowadays, it, you don't have to be close to hate each other. And I don't know that we're necessarily hating each other. It's just the way that the schedule has worked out. They they've have way more games with the Tigers and Reds than what we would have figured had they asked us to make the schedule. So kind of paint a broad picture for me. What is the state of the Tigers in 2020? Well, you know, last year was uh, was rock bottom. I mean, considering, you know, I think fans knew following a, kind of the, the 2017 trade deadline that things were, things were going to get worse before they got better. And I think last year uh, they they – were even worse than some people expect them to be. Obviously, you lose 114 games. The only silver lining that uh, came out of it was you get the number one overall pick. You, you're able to get Spencer Torkelson with the first pick in the draft. But I, I think in general, fans, even before this whole pandemic, were bracing themselves for uh, another probably pretty rough season, but with with hope for improvement. I think that this is a baseball team that last year, as bad as they were, pretty much everything went wrong. You know, every guy who you thought could maybe take a step forward, took a step back. The guys who were veterans on the roster aged before our very eyes. Again, you had injuries uh, with pitchers. I mean, everything that could have gone wrong did. You come back this season with a roster that is still probably in terms of major league talent, one of the weaker in baseball, but you've continued to build your farm system. We're going to be seeing some of these young pitchers that they've been talking about for years here pretty soon and you and in, in fairness to Alavila they went out they got a few veteran bats in Cameron Maben and CJ Crone and Jonathan Scope that will hopefully uh improve the lineup here in 2020 I think in general no one's looking for this team to make a deep playoff push but even in a 60 game season if we can see some sort of improvement it would it would really go a long way in restoring a lot of the fans faith I know that as far as the Reds are concerned in 2020, we have expectations and high hopes and lofty uh, dreams of what we hope happens in 2020, but no Reds or all Reds fans would be remiss if they completely forgot what's been the last five years. We can totally understand where you're coming from, and I think I, I, I like what the Tigers have done just from an outsider's perspective because whenever the Reds hit their rock bottom, it was like they were trying to still limp along with some guys that they should have traded long before yeah. they ended up doing so. Was that the feeling? Do you, do you guys, do, do Tigers fans kind of have a good feel for how the front office is handling this? Well, in general, and I, I get where what you're saying with that, and I think that the Reds were a team that struggled with that. I think the White Sox were a team that struggled with that for a long time before they officially kind of hit the full reset button. The issue with the Tigers is that they hung on for way too long. You know, you had those four straight division championships from 2011 to 2014. You win the pennant in 2012, had the best team in 2013 and came up short. Uh, then you finish in last place in 2015. And I think most people would agree that that was when they probably should have hit the reset button because that was still a roster with a, a tremendous amount of talent that they could have traded away and really got a lot for but they went for it again in 2016 and again in the first half of 2017. And all of a sudden that core of, of Ian Kinsler and Justin Verlander and J.D. Martinez either became less appealing due to their contracts or aged 
before our very eyes, like I just said. And, and I think in general, a lot of people understood them hitting the reset button when they did. There is still a lot of frustration around the fact that a team with Detroit's budget um, has been so nickel and dime when it comes to spending money on free agents over the last uh, couple summers. And I think most people are willing to accept the fact that this is not a team that's going to go out and make a move for a Mookie Betts. You know, they're not going to sign with these big bloated contracts because it was bloated contracts that got them into this place or got them into this predicament in the first place. But it's just, as a fan, it's obviously been extremely frustrating watching them kind of twiddle their thumbs as the major league roster has uh, struggled, to say the least. But I think even more so now. I think with the draft they just had, which a lot of people, including myself, have acknowledged is probably their best draft in, I mean, decades, really, even though it was only five rounds. I think the 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 patience among the fan base isn't as thin as it was even a year ago at this time because we are starting to see some steps forward in, tor- in terms of improving this organization for the future. What is the feeling on Ron Gardenhire? Because as a manager with other teams and stuff, he's a guy that I've always looked at and kind of admired, and now he's in a situation much different than where he was like when he – managed Minnesota and it took them to the playoffs and things like that. Is is it a feeling like he can hang around for a while or are they kind of waiting on someone else? Well, my guess is it, look, I'll start off by saying I, I like the guy in general. I think he has been put in an impossible and borderline unfair position. <laughs> um, he, I don't think when he was hired, they were under the belief that this is going to be a guy who's going to be managing this team the next time they make a deep run in October. He's kind of a bridge guy. Uh, for these real, you know, what has been some pretty abysmal years here in Detroit. It doesn't, it, the sad thing is, it hasn't really mattered who the manager is in terms of on the field performance because right. even the best manager in baseball couldn't do, could do nothing with this roster. I mean, this is a, a roster uh, the last several years that has severely lacked in talent. I think before Gardenhire, you had a manager in Brad Osmus who was remarkably inexperienced. Uh, who fought with the media, who strategically made a lot of mistakes that really drove the fans crazy. And uh, it was a very apparent because he was managing teams that were competing for playoff spots. I think that with Gardner, you have a guy who's very safe, uh, who I think probably in terms of strategy isn't a guy who's who's going to set the world on fire with putting out original lineups or even managing a bullpen. But he understands the game, and I think that that's kind of the best they can ask for right now. A lot of people, and I would even put myself in this train, kind of think that this is a guy who, if not this year, next year would probably be, he might push it for one more year and then they might, you know, part ways. I think he'll be one of those guys. Paul Molitor with the Twins was another one where, you know, maybe not the best fit at the time for the organization, but someone who's going to stay on good terms with the team and probably, you know, I could even see staying within it, you know, finding a spot within the organization after he's a manager. It's just that for the time being, uh, he's done everything possible to try to hold this clubhouse together. The fact that they've lost as many games as they have, and they've stayed somewhat cohesive is actually, I think a, a a testament to his ability to maintain a solid locker room. But in general, uh, pretty soon here, I think they will be looking elsewhere. When you talk about the roster and one of the holdovers, it's interesting because the Reds and the Tigers parallel in this uh, in this scenario. 
they both had aging first basemen who a couple of years ago were at the tippy top of the league as far as hitting is concerned and always in the MVP conversation and things like that. And now uh, the Tigers and the Reds are kind of at different spots, but at the same token, the Tigers are also starting a new era. How does Miguel Cabrera fit in? Because there's been quite a bit of conversation during this offseason about how Joey Votto fits in with the Reds now. And, and, and what does the what's the situation look like with Miguel Cabrera in Detroit? Well, you know, they're career wise, they're in very similar spots, right? You have two guys who are going to be most likely first ballot Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. I, I know I've I've heard arguments against both, but those people are insane. These are two yeah. Hall of Fame talents. <laughs> um, it, but the the difference is Joey Votto's contract, while not the best contract in the world is not one that has crippled the organization. The fact is Miguel Cabrera's contract is brutal. You know, that was one of the final deals Dave Dombrowski made when he was here, giving him essentially, you know, an eight, nine-year extension. They're going to be paying him until he's into his early 40s, and the production um, just hasn't been there. The issue with with Votto uh, has been... Um, has been the power numbers, but you look at some, you know, some of the kind of his bread and butter stuff. He's still reaching base, batting average is still fairly fairly solid. But that is a team uh, with the budget now to be able to go out and get pieces to support an aging Joey Votto. You know, you made mm-hmm. uh, the trade several years ago to get Suarez. You know, one of the you know one of the worst deals in the history of Detroit sports. You know, you get a guy that has turned into a, a perennial all-star. Uh, you, you're able to go out and, and, and sign a guy like Castiano, sign a guy like Moustakis, and all of a sudden you have a lineup that uh, is not led necessarily by Votto, but who complements everyone else in that lineup really well as a really solid on-base on base guy. You know, with Miggy, he, the batting average is still fine, but I think much like with Votto, uh, these are two guys that don't necessarily get paid to hit singles. And... I think as much as Votto's, uh, you know, kind of aged before our eyes here, I think that things are set up better for the Reds to be successful, whereas I don't see really a scenario where Miguel Cabrera will be the starting first baseman here on a team that's going to be, you know, competing for, for divisions or competing for a World Series. I just think that contract is too brutal. And I think he has a, a much deeper uh, uh, history of injury than Votto has. You know, Votto is, I kind of think, just going through the circle of, you know, uh, an aging Major League Baseball player. Sometimes you just have a year where you just aren't as productive, whereas Miggy's decline has been much more steep uh, because of injury, and it's made for, uh, you know, some some really some really disappointing seasons on his part. Now, he has lost a fair amount of weight. The, he's looked pretty good. Uh, he looked good in the spring. He's looked pretty good in the summer, and hopefully that re- that power can return a little bit, and maybe this can be a lineup that's better than than people expect. And only time will tell. When you look at Miguel Cabrera, could he be the next Bobby Bonilla? Do you think the Tigers could like spread that contract out if he retires or something in a couple years? Uh, I don't think they'll want to for two reasons. One, I don't I don't think they're that clever, and, and two, <laughs> I, I think they would prefer, you know. These bloated contracts, whether it be him or Jordan Zimmerman, who they got for one more year, or Victor Victor Martinez, who just recently got off the books, symbolize an era of Detroit Tigers baseball that that was incredibly gluttonous. And I think the quicker they can move on and get these deals off the books, 
the the quicker they'll they'll be back to trying to spend uh, wisely uh, on some young stars in the major league. So, I mean, it's a neat idea, but I, I think right now the plans are they're just going to play him in full for the next several years and then, and then move on. When it comes to the young stars that you mentioned, you've got one particularly, and I want to jump into the pitching situation because you act, and you mentioned Jordan Zimmerman as well. I saw your video talking about they put him on the 45 man or the 45 uh, day injured list, not the 45 man, the 45 right. day injured list, and um, effectively probably ending this season for him. With that being said, that opens up a spot in the rotation, and everybody, I'm sure Tigers fans are like chomping at the bit for this, but even everyone around Major League Baseball is wondering, are we going to see a lot of Casey Mize this year? Um, Look, I, I talked about this on Monday on my podcast on Monday. Uh, the, with the way the service time rules are, it would be a malpractice to start him on the opening day roster. The fact is, and this is, it's one of those weird service time loopholes. We saw it with Vlad Guerrero Jr. We saw it with Chris Bryant, where, you know, if you keep a guy down in the minors for thirty, or in this case, it's eight days, you get an extra year of service time on Mm -hmm. his contract. So it would be insane to start him on the opening day roster. But uh, I think the first pitcher who either gets completely rocked or the first pitcher who gets injured will be sent down and Casey Mize will get the call up here. I I think it, for several reasons. One, he's 23 years old. I think it works out perfectly well. He, he's It's time for him to make his debut. You know, He was a bit older when they drafted him, as is kind of the case when you draft some of these college guys. But in general, um, I think the way the Tigers have, have handled him, which is something they've struggled with some, with some young pitchers in the past, I think they've handled him fine. They haven't overworked him. They've been patient with him. They've pitched him the right amount of innings. He's been... You know, outside of an IL stint last year that I think was a bit overblown, he's been you know fairly healthy. Uh, and every time I've seen him pitch, whether it be in uh, in spring training, whether it be in the minor leagues, or whether it be in uh, the summer camp this season, I've said, well, that's that's a major league pitcher. And you know, there's some debate about whether or not his ceiling is the highest of some other guys in the organization. I'm not I'm not worried about that right now. The fact is. Once you get past these eight days, you know, trying to work around that service time loophole, you, you cannot convince me that Casey Mize is not one of the five best options uh, for this organization right sure. now. And I think that will be uh, incredibly exciting. I think something that it's something that will you know hold the fans over here as we have to deal with uh, uh, one or two more years of, of true misery. I think that what made last year so painful is the fact that it felt completely hopeless. We saw none of these guys. They were are the best. You know, the, the, all, every bit of this team's future was, uh, was down in double a, uh, you know, pitching for, uh, you know, pitching for Erie or pitching for Toledo. Like that, that was, um, or, you know, West Michigan. So it was, it was one of those things that, uh, hopefully we'll see him, uh, who else we see, whether it be Matt Manning or Tariq Skubal, that's all up for grabs. But I think based on how he's pitched, especially, and based on the fact that he's relatively healthy, um, He's the guy that mo- fans are most excited for, and he's the fan. He's the guy that fans are most likely to see, in my opinion, come twenty twenty. When you look at this roster, I know you mentioned that it's a little light on talent this season, but who are the guys that you are excited to watch? The guys that you think can make an impact here in twenty twenty? Well, you know, I, I was I was complimentary of the signings. I, I like the Chrome deal. I like the Scope deal. You you get two veteran bats. Um, who are professional hitters. This was last season, and this is 
this isn't even me being hyperbolic. It's just a fact. Their offense last season was historically inept. I mean, this was a year where, and I understand there was a lot of talk about how, you know, Comerica's too big and, you know, Nick Castellanos, now a red, you know, kind of mentioned that on his way out, calling the part, you know, Comerica a joke. And look, that that's fine. But the fact is, last year there were a record number of home runs hit. The Twins had eight guys with 20 or more home runs, and the Tigers had one guy with 15. Like, that was, to me, in a season of really ugly statistics, probably the most embarrassing one. And they went out and got two guys who are capable of hitting 20 to 25 home runs. And and you get some power in the lineup. Scope's a pretty good defender as well. Crone has had a tremendous uh, summer camp, you know, we hit four home runs in, in, in three games a couple days ago, uh, would have had a fifth one and Riley green to uh, rob the home run from him. But so I, I think I like those, I like those signings, but another guy I look out for as well that I think has probably a higher ceiling than some people will let on is uh Nico Goodrum. This is a guy who, uh, in terms of guys who were here the whole season last year, uh, led this team in war offensively. He's a versatile athlete. He'll probably he'll start out at shortstop, but will play several different several different positions. And I think could be, you know, my hope is uh, he could be a guy who becomes almost like the Ben Zobrist of this uh, team going forward. You know, not a guy who. Is necessarily going to somebody you could pencil in as oh he's going to start every day at the same position, but someone who could fill in and do a really great job as a utility guy. I think his ceiling uh, is probably higher than some people are giving him credit for. So I think that's one guy to look out for. He's been a nice surprise the last couple of years. I was interested in your thoughts on him because he's a guy earmarked because I just think more people need to be named Nico. That's a really cool name. Uh, when we're yeah, looking... Nico Goodrum's a baseball name, man. I like it. That's that's a that's right up there, and I. I like the name J. Mark Candelario, but I noticed you didn't mention him. So, uh, is he okay? Not okay? Well, okay. Let, let, when they acquired him, a lot of people were excited, and I was too. You know, top 100 prospect from the Cubs. You know, I think needed a change of scenery. He was a third baseman in Chicago at a place where you know the guy the previous year had won an MVP, so he wasn't going to get a ton of playing time there. Right. Uh, had wrist injuries have hurt him, and he's a guy who. They gave him the keys and said, hey, man, you're the third baseman of the future here and struggled a lot last season, sent down to the minors. Um, and there's what's weird is there's a lot of things about him that uh, pretty much everyone universally agrees upon are, are solid. He improved quite a bit as a defender last year. He's a pretty good athlete. He, uh, you know, he can hit for power, saw more pitches per at bat than anybody else on the roster and yet was really struggling barreling things up and now he's going to get some chances here because the third baseman situation at least for the time being here um, is pretty awful you have three guys who probably who would not start on any other major league team except for this one I still think between him and maybe Harold Castro and uh, and Dowell Lugo He's probably still the guy with the highest ceiling. My guess is they're going to give him one more year here to try to figure it out. After that, they probably, I would see, I would guess, not pick up his option, and he'll probably be trying to seek employment elsewhere. But I, I'm going to give him one more shot. I've heard he's looked pretty good in the summer, and I think it would be a, a, a really nice surprise to see him uh, return to form you know, where he was when he was first acquired by this team because he was someone that a lot of people were really excited about. Well, the Reds are going to get a first-hand, uh, a, a front-row seat, really, to the Tigers here in these first 10 games as they play each other six times. I think that probably puts them square 
in probably the target range, like you mentioned, Ian, if, if they're going to hold him down for eight days of Casey Mize making his debut, that could be interesting to see him make his debut against the Reds. So we'll see about all that. And, and you mentioned it. I, I was I was gonna I was gonna hold off from saying anything, but you mentioned it earlier. So I'm I'm just gonna say the Reds really appreciate the Tiger service for yes. trading a Eugenio Suarez for uh, Alfredo Simon. That what, was what? Uh, that that was a heck of a favor, and, and I think <laughs> that was um you know when people talk about this rebuild, what you know what it's meant. I think that that's a deal that a lot of people point to as you know sometimes you you overcompensate when trying to be in win now mode, and you yeah. sacrifice every little bit of your future. And I think that after 2014, this team got really desperate, and they made a move. Now I don't think anyone. Uh, even though you know the biggest Reds fans in the world would have thought that Eugenio Suarez was going to be a guy who was you know popping fifty <laughs> no. home runs, right? No. But the fact is, he was a solid piece in the farm system for the Tigers. Would have been their starting shortstop in 2015, and yet, uh, you know, and yet you know got got moved, and it led to uh, the Tigers, you know, young core, or Tigers core of you know potential prospects really taking a beating uh and it's uh it's it's hurt them a whole lot what was the uh what was the media coverage around that were people really excited about Alfredo Simon or did they see kind of what was about to happen down the road uh they knew it was a risk they knew it was a risk they but they also knew that they were you know on paper acquiring a guy in Simon who um what was was an all-star pitcher the year before you know it was a, it was a total mm-hmm. fluke but you know he, he was an all-star pitcher and i think for the longest time even so much has changed even from 5 years ago for the longest time the idea of a farm system was never even brought up in the Dave Dombrowski era it was full steam ahead we're going to put every you know we're going to uh, put all our uh, everything we can into winning at the major league level I mean, this was a team that probably for close to a decade had one of the worst farm systems in baseball. That was just how it was. If they got a great prospect, they traded him. That's what happened mm-hmm. in the Dombrowski era. And he did, you know, a, the, the exact same thing in Boston. You know, he got there with this loaded farm system, traded him all away. The only difference is he won a World Series there. There, When that happened and, and they traded uh, for, for uh, Alfredo Simon, it was – people knew it was a risk. But this was also a team that was that for the better part of a decade or close to a decade had been desperately trying to win a World Series. And I think the general consensus was, look, if they're if they end up winning a World Series here, no one's going to care. Now, the team in 2015 was a disaster. They finished in last place. Simon, after a first two months or good first two months, really tanked and and Suarez took off. Um, And so it's one of those things that looks so much worse in hindsight. But, you know, it's. Sometimes those deals, they they work out, and sometimes they don't. Like I, I remember thinking that the Nationals were crazy to trade Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez for Adam Eaton. Well, you know who's laughing now? The the Nationals won the World Series last year, and Eaton was unbelievable in the World Series. So had it have worked right. out that way, no one would have complained. But I think in general, right away, everyone in the media here knew uh, it was it was a pretty substantial risk, and not one that paid off. Trust me, the Reds have made their fair share of terrible trades. Don't even get me started about a Rodas Chapman or, you know, any right. of the trades that they've made. Like, yeah, it's – oh, Chris, man, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people follow you as they follow along with the Detroit Tigers in 2020? 
Uh, well, yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. Uh, you can follow the show, Locked on Tigers, uh, at Locked on Tigers on Twitter. And uh, there you'll find the links to the iTunes page as well. I believe it's on everything on Spotify. It's on, on SoundCloud. So you can uh, find all, all the information for the Lockdown podcast there. And also, uh, uh, I'll you know plug uh, my own personal thing as well. I have a YouTube page where I'm... Uh, putting out movie content, uh, reviewing films, video essays. I'm trying to get the subscriber count up for that. So the link to that is on my uh, bio on my main Twitter page at Castellani2014. So please follow me on uh, all those platforms. It would be much appreciated. And if anybody's wondering, well, why am I saying, hey, check out the Tigers in 2020? Just RIP Sparky, all right? we Tigers and Reds fans, we have a common There's a thread yeah. in Sparky. So, Chris, man, I appreciate you coming on. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, thanks a lot, buddy. That'll do it for us here today. Definitely check out Chris's podcast, Locked On Tigers, as they go through the 2020 season. They're going to be a team that I'm keeping my eye on. I'm interested to see how the young guys develop up there in Detroit. But before we leave, I just had one more thing I wanted to talk to you about. Look, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through that day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic, as it is for much of 2020. Look, these two things, the CBD Freeze with Menthol and the CBD Recover, are great. The Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or a shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBD has, CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of my listeners today 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLB. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-M-L-B for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. That doesn't sound like too bad of a deal. Who doesn't want to relax? Check them out, CBDMD.com and the promo code LOCKEDONMLB. But that'll do it for us here today on tomorrow's show, The Man. From Red Leg Nation Radio, your favorite Lisa Alberto Bonilla fan, Chad Dotson, will join me. On the Locked On Reds podcast, we'll get psyched up again for baseball. I had him on back in the spring training time to get psyched up for baseball, and then we kind of pushed all that back. So we're going to do it again on tomorrow's podcast. Make sure you check that out. Now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball, and we'll talk to all of you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.